actually have a fear of speaking in front of people. Um, that kind of sounded like a support group introduction, but it's true. Um, so I lead one of the connection groups here at Church Triumphant, and um, one of the benefits of leading a connection group here is every now and then you get to come up here and, and give a message. Um, occasionally we let Pastor Aaron take a vacation, and apparently we can't just shut the church down while he's gone. So that's why I'm up here this morning. Um, I wrote this down. <laughs> For me, I, I really like to stay in a comfort zone. That's why you're not going to see me probably you know, venture out, run up and down the stairs like Pastor Aaron does. And then last week, he, uh, he gave us an example of a form tackle on his father over here. And uh, that was pretty interesting. It was a good illustration. Uh, my father's not here this morning, but my mother is, so she'll have to do. Um, <laughs> So, but I like to stay in a comfort zone, but when you choose to follow Christ, he doesn't call us to live in a comfort zone. He calls us to reach people. And sometimes in doing that, you're going to be stretched a little bit. You're going to be taken out of your comfort zone. It's, it's going to be uncomfortable. And uh, so this is a stretch for me. But God will take you and put you in situations where he can stretch you and mold you and make you into the person he needs to be, needs you to be. So we have to remember that when he does that, we don't have to fear. Um, his word says we haven't been given a spirit of fear but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So having said that, I stand up here in that today. And, uh, and today we're going to talk about forfeiting your birthright. So to do that, we're going to look at the story of Jacob and Esau. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis 25. There already say yes. If you're not, say, wait. If you need some help finding Genesis, just turn to the front of the Bible. It's where the table of contents is, right after that. So Genesis chapter 25, we're going to start in verse 21 and read through 34. <clears throat> verse 21 says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. Lord, the Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebecca became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. <clears throat> when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, the brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when, Rebe when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that we can take examples like this and apply it to our lives today. We thank you that your word is incorruptible, and God, we just pray that uh, you would just take the rest of the service, God. 
that uh, every word that I say would come from you, and that that uh, everyone would hear it exactly the way you would have them to, Father. We thank you for that, in Jesus' name, amen. So what's going on here? We look at it first, Rebecca is barren, which I think is interesting because she, you know, Abraham and then Isaac is, they're, uh, they've been promised by God to to basically be the, the starting point of his people. So it's kind of odd that the women that they choose would both be barren. So I think maybe it's a test of faith to them, but Isaac intercedes on her behalf so she can conceive. <clears throat> the King James Version actually says that he entreated the Lord. The definition of entreat is to ask earnestly, to beg or plead with. It's kind of done as a subject approaches a king. Let me say, too, the stage water. I always sit down there and look up here at the stage water. It looks so delicious. It really is. So in case, <laughs> in case anybody else is, well, I don't know if it's, it's blessed beforehand or what, but it's, it's really good. <laughs> so God answers Isaac's prayer, and Rebecca becomes pregnant with twins. <clears throat> the babies are wrestling in her womb. So she prayed to God because it was probably a little bit uncomfortable. Those women out there that have been pregnant, show of hands, pregnant women, not pregnant now maybe, but have been. You probably felt what it feels like to have a, a baby kick you in your womb, and it's, I'm not speaking from experience, but is it a little bit uncomfortable? It's a little bit uncomfortable. So imagine having two babies inside of you wrestling, like a full-blown WWE wrestling match inside of your stomach. So... That's what's going on here. So she prayed to God because it was probably a little bit uncomfortable. So she asked God why, it's, why she's so uncomfortable if he actually blessed her and allowed her to become pregnant. So he answers her and tells her that two nations are in her, room, her womb. One will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So that's kind of an interesting statement right there. <clears throat> so Rebecca gives birth. Esau's born first. Now he's hairy all over like he's wearing a sweater. He's covered in red hair. Covered in red hair. A little bit sweet, six-pound, nine-ounce baby boy. Covered in red hair from hair to toe. It's kind of funny to imagine. And actually, it wasn't easy. But I was able to get a picture of, uh, of Esau when he was born. Jay, do we have that picture? So, Esau was covered in red hair. It's basically what, you know, what I'm trying to tell you here. So then Jacob's born second. He's considerably less hairy. Um, he has a hold of Esau's heel when he comes out. So the name Jacob actually means supplanter, which by definition means to take the place of another. So they named him that because he had a hold of Esau's heel. Um, and then, of course, Rebecca, knowing the word that God gave to her, named him appropriately. So as they grew, Esau was a great hunter, and Isaac loved him. Jacob was more of a mild man, and Rebecca loved him. So on the surface, Esau probably looked more like the manly man, like the, know, the Burl Gorby of the, of the two. <laughs> he probably looked like the stronger of the two. If, you know, by definition, if you looked at him, he was probably the stronger-looking one. But according to what God told Rebecca, that wasn't the case. Jacob was actually the stronger because it said that the, uh, the younger will serve the older and that the younger will be stronger. <clears throat> So one day, Esau comes in from hunting and sees that Jacob has cooked up some stew. Esau didn't get anything that day. It was a, it was a bad day out in the woods. You probably are familiar. Um, he was famished. He was hungry. Jacob's cooking up some good-looking red soup, some lentil stew, and uh, 
Esau's like, come on, man, give me some of that stew. I'm hungry. I've been out there all day. Didn't catch anything. Didn't shoot anything. So give me some of that stew. Jacob's like, well, hold on. We can make a deal. We could work something out, you know, for some of your birthright. So Esau, apparently at the time, this seemed like a good deal. So he cared more about filling his stomach than he did about about his uh, long-term promises. So he goes ahead and agrees to the deal. So what did the birthright entitle Esau to? The birthright was the entitlement of the firstborn to receive a double inheritance uh, from the father once they passed away, which in this case would have been a pretty large amount. We read later on that <coughs> Jacob was given that blessing, that Jacob was given that, uh, that inheritance. And Esau also got an inheritance, and we know it was big too. So he didn't get cheated, but he didn't get what he deserved. He didn't get what he was supposed to get because of him being the firstborn. So the birthright also included four other things. It included a special blessing, which he would have received the blessing that God promised Abraham, and then Abraham gave to Isaac, which we read about in Genesis 12.1. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and I will make you, I, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then we read later on in Genesis chapter 28 that this blessing was actually given to Jacob instead of Esau. And it says there, May God Almighty bless you and make you faithful, and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now live as an alien, the land God gave to Abraham. So the blessing that was intended for the firstborn was actually given to Jacob because Esau sold his birthright. The second thing that he would have been promised, and I said four additional, so the second of the four additional, is the office of the high priest of his clan or tribe. This is back before the tabernacle of Moses. So this is back before you have a high priest going into the Holy of Holies and actually interceding on behalf of the people. This was the responsibility of the father of the tribe, of the clan. And once that father passed away, it was a responsibility of the son with the birthright. So that was a responsibility that he would have had. He would have been the high priest of his family. Another responsibility would have been a position of authority and leadership. He would have been the chief of the family of God's chosen people. He would have been the chief of the family of God's chosen people. He, that was a promise that he would have had made to him, that he would have been given to him, but he sold it. Lastly, he would have been, he would have been given procreative vigor. Definition of procreative, to beget or generate offspring. Definition of vigor, intensity. I'll just let you put that together there. That was a promise. <laughs> so let's make a deal. Esau comes in. He's famished. Been a long day out in the woods. He doesn't get anything. So he's hungry and says to Jacob, give me some of that. Jacob says, hey, you know, you've got something I want too. And I don't think this is the first time Jacob looked at this and thought that he wanted a birthright. I think he'd probably seen the way that Esau had treated it over time and realized that it was kind of open for the taking. So this was just the right opportunity. 
<clears throat> so at this time, Esau chose the sensual over the spiritual. He gave in to the cravings of his hunger. Instead of, instead of considering what he was putting up to offer, he gave in to the cravings of right then. He valued the stew more highly than his birthright. Esau chose the present over the future. He tossed away future reward for present gratification. So he, he was hungry right then. And when you, when you say hungry, he said, what good is the birthright to me? You know, I'm starving to death. This is probably not literally on the verge of dying if he doesn't get a meal right this second. Parents probably think it's more of a, a kid like, I'm starving to death. Just give me out. Come on, I'm starving to death. So that's probably what we're looking at here. In the same way Jesus was tempted to do the same thing in the desert by Satan, he was hungry, and the devil said, you can make these stones bread. Jesus could have fulfilled his physical desire for food as in an instant, but he would have forfeited his future glory. Esau succumbed to the flesh and forfeited his future. So at a fraction of a moment, a stomach was filled, but a promise was lost. Esau made a deal, and it was a bad one. And the last line that, uh, that we read in the text there was that Esau despised his birthright. So for that reason, he was actually called a godless person. When we look ahead to Hebrews 12, 16, verse 16 says, See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. So that's the, the consequences that, that we're dealing with here. When he sold that, he sold everything. So Esau knew what he was entitled to, but he still decided to sell it in an instance for, for one bowl of soup. We see later in Genesis 27, verse 36, that Esau regretted his decision. It was already too late. Verse 36 says, And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? So he's standing there in front of his father Isaac, and Isaac just blessed Jacob. And now Esau comes in and realizes what's happened. And he wants to be blessed too, but it's too late. He sold it. He gave it up. Now he's got to deal with the consequences. So let's talk about, as followers of Christ, let's talk about your Christian birthright. The things that you're promised as an inheritance by being a follower of Christ. First, we're promised physical inheritance. Philippians 4.1.9 talks about how God will meet our needs. That says, And my God will meet your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's pretty cut and dry there. I mean, God will supply your needs. As a physical inheritance, we're promised that we're going to be taken care of. God has blessed us with our families. Proverbs 19.14 says, Houses and wealth are inherited from, par <clears throat> from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. God has promised to feed and clothe us. Matthew 6, 25 and 26 says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more value, valuable to him than they are? Let me answer that for you. Yes, you are. So he's promised to feed us, to clothe us, to give us shelter, to take care of us. And then we're also promised a spiritual inheritance. We're heirs according to the promise made to Abraham. In Galatians 3.29, it says, If you belong to Christ, 
then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So the promise that we read earlier that God gave to Abraham, that blessing that was passed down to Jacob, and then on and on down the, down the line, we're promised that too. As heirs of Christ, we're promised that too. We're co-heirs with Christ as well. Romans eight sixteen and 17 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. If we share in the sufferings of Christ, God went to the, Jesus went to the cross and showed us the example. So as we share in the sufferings, we also share in the blessings. We are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. There's nothing we can do to be saved. There's no, there's no good works that we can do. There's no amount of money we can pay. There's nothing we can do with the exception of believing in Jesus. By grace, through faith, we are saved. And we have an incorruptible inheritance. 1 Peter 1.4 tells us that, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. So we're promised these physical and spiritual inheritance by God, and all we have to do is just abide in Christ as he abides in us. But sometimes we we tend to, to want the physical over the spiritual. We live in a culture where we have to have everything right now. It's it's fast food, it's internet that can download 100 megabytes in a second. It's, we need everything right now. We've kind of conditioned ourselves as, as a culture to, to demand that. And sometimes we put our birthright, our inheritance in Christ in danger because of that mentality. So as children of God, what are some ways that, that we forfeit our birthright? And by no means is this the list. So nobody steal my notes and try to follow this to a T to make sure that you're going to be all right, but these are just a few examples. We forfeit our birthright when we try to be like someone else instead of developing our own gifts, our own talents, and our own identity. We need to focus on what God wants us to be and, and not what someone else looks like that we think we want to be. You know, I'd, I would love to be running up, up and down around here and, and tackling uh, Aaron's dad and, and, <laughs> and doing all those things, but... I need to develop my own identity, and if I start to look at someone else and say, I want to be like that, then I'm forfeiting part of my inheritance. We forfeit our birthright when we spend time envying and chasing after what other people have. One of the commandments is do not covet. So you have to be content with what God's blessed you with. You have to be content with the situation that God's put you in. Again, you can't look at somebody else and what they have and say, man, if I just had that, I'd be set. If I just had that, I'd be able to do this. You can't do that. You have to be content with what you've been given. And when you're not content, again, you start to forfeit part of your inheritance. We forfeit our birthright when we compromise truth in order to do things contrary to genuine growth and development. That basically says we forfeit our birthright when we choose to sin over living a consecrated lifestyle. We're called to be set apart. We're called to be holy. And when we let sin enter in, when we start to believe lies and, and, uh, and don't believe the truth, we start to give up our inheritance. We forfeit our birthright when we follow selfish pursuits that don't benefit those around us. 
We're called to help people as a church and not be first concerned about helping ourselves. So consider that when you, uh, when you look this over. We forfeit our birthright when we refuse to believe what God has said about who we are, that we are created for a purpose and have been given gifts and talents to use for God's glory. We've each been given gifts. It reminds me of the parable of the uh, master that gives the talents to the three servants. To one he gives five, to another he gives two, and to another he gives one. The one he gives five goes and invests. And I think it's interesting that it's called talents because God gives us all talents that he wants to see us develop. And the one with five went and invested the talents, and he made back ten. So he was blessed by the, by the master when he returned. The one with two went out, invested, turned it into four. And again, when the master returned, he was blessed. The one that had the one talent was afraid, so he went and buried the talent. And when the master returned, he just gave the master back what was given to him originally. The master wasn't pleased with that. To sum it up, he basically sent him to hell. So as we are called to develop our gifts, when we stand before Christ, if all we've got to show is what he originally gave us, then we're going to miss out on our inheritance. We forfeit our birthright when we live in fear, remaining safe and comfortable instead of venturing into the unknown. I uh, wouldn't have pictured myself up here, you know, two, three, four months ago, but uh, yesterday was my birthday, and actually three months ago, Jeanette contacted me through email and said, hey, Pastor Aaron's going to be on vacation, we need some people to, to preach during the, the services, and I think this is kind of a, an odd birthday gift, Jeanette. <laughs> Thank you anyway, but, you know, maybe next year a card or something like that, so... <laughs> This is definitely, for me, this is definitely a stretch. This is definitely me venturing into the unknown. Um, you know, I, I've, I drove my wife crazy this morning with, you know, making sure that I had the right clothes on, making sure that, you know, everything was going to be just perfect, and uh, hopefully I look fine, but... Um, so, right now, I, I'm going to go ahead and have the leaders come up, and... Um, yeah, I was... I was originally scheduled for 35 minutes, but you just have to bear with me. It, uh, it might be out of here by 10. So, <laughs> but I do want to have the leaders come up because, you know, what we want to look at here is that Esau made a mistake of depreciating the value of his inheritance, and then he gave into the the desires of the flesh. We can make that same mistake. We cannot appreciate the value of our inheritance in Christ, and we can give into the immediate temp- the temptation of immediate gratification of the flesh. So. As Belinda plays this morning, the question I want to ask you is, what's your bowl of soup? You know, what's that thing that you traded your inheritance for? What's that one thing, that one decision you made you wish you could take back? Because there's going to come a time when we're standing before Jesus, and like Esau did when, when he was standing before Jacob or before uh, Isaac, he wanted that blessing. We're going to be standing before Jesus, and we're going to want that blessing, but it's going to be too late. But today, it's not too late. So if you've made a trade you wish you hadn't, come up here and get your inheritance back.